This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for the Laravel News Podcast, episode 89. We've got a couple good things lined up for you. We've got releases. We've got packages. We've got tutorials. We've got more, as the lady in the beginning part of the show says. And we've got death-rattling coughs as well planned on the docket. Uh, I am not feeling the best. In fact, I've had this cough slash maybe allergies. I'm not sure. For probably a couple weeks, two, maybe going on three. And um, mm-hmm. it just kind of all of a sudden comes on. There's nothing I can do to stop it. So yeah. I'm sure you will hear some coughing, and I apologize in advance. Michael's going to try and edit as much as he can, but he will not get all of it. <clears throat> I guarantee no. it. No. For, for, the sake, for the sake of the audio version of this podcast, I ask that you turn your head and cough into your shoulder. Into your okay. elbow, rather. I will try. <clears throat> it I will try. kind of look like a dab. It'll be like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, a dab. I think they call it. I like believe they a, call it the Dracula, Dracula cough. Yeah, yep. the Dracula. Yeah, that's how they teach yeah. the kiddos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cough in there so that you don't get it all over your hands, and then go on, you know, get it all over the everything, and then spread it. Yes. Hey, um, well, I don't know if the, I should say this. It doesn't really matter. Um, five chaos. Do you see this shirt I'm wearing right here? I see the shirt you're wearing. I did a five k today. <clears throat> this That's morning. probably why you're coughing up a lung. You are too old. It's for probably this shit. part of it. It is probably part of it. Yeah. Because I wasn't feeling great this morning and I went out anyway. And we ran in the yeah. rain. It was, and it was good times. Yeah. It was like whatever, a mud course, whatever. Uh, yeah. Whatever whatever you had before, you've just made worse. And you're going to mm-hmm. feel like you've run into a brick wall tomorrow. I guarantee it. But I already signed up for it and it was for charity. So it's it's all good. It was fun. Yeah, but you don't have we to run. You just have to make sure you give the money to charity. Yeah, well, you know, I had a goal, like a personal goal last year. I wanted to finish, ah, what did I want to do? I said I wanted to finish top, like I wanted to finish number one in my age group. Didn't happen. Finished number four in my age group, which was disappointing, but it happened. I almost made top three, but I did finish in the top third in our group, our heat. So I got third place and I would just barely, there was a dude in our heat who was right behind me on my tail and the, the obstacles and uh, he was the only thing pushing me to keep going. Otherwise, I would have started walking a long time before. So anyway, good well, times. Good all, times, good times. All sorted. All sorted. Hey, let's get into the Laravel let's, news. Let's. We are on Laravel 5.8.31 released. So we're inching closer to the Laravel 6 release. So these kind of little patch releases and fixes are going in. Why don't you talk about it while I uh, die coughing? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. There aren't any new features, but there are a few changes that we need to look at. First of all, the dump method in the query builder instance was has been fixed and is now chainable. So previously, whenever you called dump, that would be the end of your query builder chain. Now it will return this within that method so that you can chain on other methods hmm, that's in, interesting. in your query builder chain, which is helpful. The next thing that's changed is the visibility of, this, of the has pivot column method, which has now been changed to public. So you can access that if you need to. Those are the the two main things that were in this release. But as always, there is a full list of changes which you can explore in the change log, which we will link in the show notes. Is that all for 5.8.31? That's it. That's all of the thing. Great. So in addition, Laravel Cashier 10 
was released. I'm trying to remember who it was. It was that put a ton of work into this. Dries. Dries Vince Dries. put a ton of work into this one. Yes. Yeah. Dries. Dries Vince. So the next major version of Laravel Cashier was released with significant improvements, including support for new Stripe APIs and support for strong customer authentication, SCA, regulations in the EU. I think that was probably the big deal, right? That yeah. was probably the massive change, right? Yep. So, uh, yeah, as stated, Dries Vince has been working really hard on getting this regu- uh, getting this ready and all the regulations kind of taken care of. Uh, so make sure you jump onto Twitter, say thanks to Dries, and uh, check out the upgrade guide if you're going to be um, looking to move to this. I uh, also need to check out Stripe's guide on PSD2 and SCA and their document on the strong customer authentication APIs. Uh, so there's a couple different uh, minimum required versions, new libraries that you need to use in order to install this. So you can check that out in the readme as well. And yep, as always, they have great documentation to go along with that and some new methods that are added, which I'll let you read in the change log. So that's it for Cashier 10. Thanks, Dries. The next release we've got here is Nova 2.0.10. Um, as we Ooh. get ever closer to the new major version of Laravel version 6, we're starting to see a lot of packages and a lot of um, things within the Laravel ecosystem, not only the first-party things, but also packages out in the wild are being updated for compatibility with version 6. So that's a main point for this release of Nova. But Nova 2.0.10 also corrects sending of the editing and edit mode parameters when you are creating, updating, attaching, and updating requests attached by Nova. This version also brings improvements to translations of the application, which allows you now to translate the action label. There is now an added nova.config.local configuration option, which is then transmitted to numeral.js for your JavaScript um, translation needs. And some missing translation keys have also been added. This release also adds a suburb method to the place field. And lastly, the contents of the package.json file is now inspected by the application before attempting to add Nova tool scripts to it. There is a complete change log of this update on the Nova website. Thank you, everyone who's been working on that. I know that the Laravel team has really kind of jumped on that recently. I've been seeing, uh, I've had to like change my notifications on the Nova repo because it's just blowing up. There's all these PRs going in all the time. Yeah. And uh, I had to stop it and say like, only let me know if I'm being like mentioned or something because it's going crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, along with that, something uh, Twi- uh, Taylor mentioned on Twitter, um, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, maybe. Middleware, job middleware is coming to Laravel 6. You're going to have to help me understand why or how you would use this. I can think of maybe a couple different possibilities, right? So currently you have middleware that can live on your requests. So you will have a stack of middleware. You currently have like a web middleware and you have an API middleware and then you can have different types of stacks of middlewares that you can apply on different things. And so it'll handle like, hey, empty strings, turn them into null values or your CSRF protection, make sure that the, you know anything that's a post is coming through with CSRF protection on it, et cetera, et cetera, right? All of these things. And so now you have the ability to add middlewares for queued jobs in Laravel 6. Mm -hmm. So you define a middleware by specifying a middleware method on the job class, which will then return an array of the middleware objects that you're wanting to run them through. So uh, you can also then specify a middleware when dispatching a job. So you can say job class, dispatch, arrow through, and then you can provide a stack in there as well instead of providing it on the middleware method of the job. So... Let's talk through this for a second. What are some things that you would want to do with these? 
What are some possible things? I don't know. When when I saw Taylor tweet about this, I mean, obviously there's a use case for it, and there's probably something even in the in the pull request to introduce it, which is probably a good place to look. I was looking there, yeah. And there's also an ideas thing. Yeah, that's probably a good place because I I saw the tweet and I didn't really see any thing that you would use it for lots of people seem to be excited by it what it says here is it says that and this is interesting right if you need to limit job execution because of api limits so basically rate limiting on a job right so the ability to say hey i want to rate limit this specific job running because i can only check zip codes 60 times in a minute right or something Mm -hmm. like that i don't know or you know how 250 times in an hour or something who knows yeah then you could actually rate limit a job and tell it to, or throttle it, I suppose, right? And you mm-hmm. can use the current throttle middleware middleware in order to accomplish that. So that seems interesting. Yeah. I mean, Taylor seemed to find it interesting and he, and he cleaned up the the uh, API for it as he's pretty good at doing and, and we know that. But in terms of like, I can't think of an immediate use case outside of that, but certainly in the same way that you can, you know, handle different authorization and access control kind of things in, um, in your HTTP middlewares, I guess you could do that kind of stuff as well. And as you say rate limiting and, and job throttling and that kind of stuff is is probably the most obvious thing that jumps to mind. But if you do have any um, suggestions or immediate use cases for it, then yeah, definitely hit us up yeah. on Twitter. Here's another one that somebody mentioned. They said, in our case, the jobs are user-based. Each job contains a user object and does some processing on that particular user. We don't want overlaps. An example, one particular job should run only once per user. For this, we set a user ID based Redis lock upon start. We check if the current job type is already running for this user, right? So you can do that through a middleware now. And there's probably multiple types of jobs that they have that kind of have that same domain logic behind it. Hey, only run these types of jobs once per user sort of thing or once mm-hmm. at a time per user. And so instead of having to rewrite that code every time, you can just create a middleware and attach it to all the jobs that have that particular domain logic. Yeah, pretty cool. There you go. Nice, nice. I would okay. be, I would still be interested. Hit us up on Twitter if you do have any specific yes. use cases that you have for this particular implementation. Absolutely. What else we got here? Mr. Jason Beggs writing for us. Tailwind v1.1. You take that one, my friend? Yeah. So version 1.1 of Tailwind has been released with a swathe of new features and a couple of bug fixes. I think we got a 1.1.2 now, perhaps. Um, I saw Dependabot updated one of my projects to, to that version. Nice. Um, we'll hit the high points through this, however. The screen reader utilities have now been added to Tailwind. So you've got a SR only and not SR only classes added to make it easier to make your websites more accessible. These utilities can be used to hide elements visually, but still accessible to screen readers. And then the focus and response to variants of these utilities are generated by default, but you can customize those in your configuration file as needed. There's also been some placeholder utilities added that allow you to customize the color of placeholder text on your inputs. Ah, good. I need this because I was just trying to figure out how to do this the other day. I do too. Yeah, totally. I literally was trying to do this and it was not playing nicely for me. So there's now a placeholder hyphen color class to your inputs so that you can set placeholder variants that way. We also have some first, last, even and odd variants added to help target elements that are generated in a loop. So if you wanted to have alternating rows in a table, you know, background colors in a table, you can do that as well. Part of the reason why this is interesting is because it's always hard to remember how you do these sort of variant selections, like where you do like child N plus one mm-hmm. or like N plus two or whatever it is. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't typically do that though. I usually use chunks to do it. Chunks? Mm. Are you saying in Laravel? Yeah. 
I'm saying in CSS. In CSS, which is, yeah. So doing it in CSS tailwind. is horrible. Yeah. So using yeah, that's and which is why these are so amazing. Yeah, deferring it to even an odd, um, what are they called? Attribute modifiers or whatever they are. Um, right. Well, first, last, even an odd. Yeah. yeah. So like, because I'll never have to remember any of those again. Yeah. Which is typically what you're trying to do. Sometimes it's every third or some garbage like that. Yeah. But like, most of the time, this will cover you. Yeah. Yeah. So do we handle, especially in the Sorry. table cases, it's much easier. So. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we've also added disabled and we've also added disabled and visited variants to help style disabled buttons and form elements without writing any custom CSS, which again is something that I just had to do. And probably if I had read these release notes beforehand, I could have saved myself some time. And on top of that, the visited variant has been added to help style links that have been visited by the user, which I don't think is very common these days, is it? Most people just set their link colors and because you know you've got a visual style now and you want to just be able to see. Um, everything to look the same, whether it's visited or not. Right. I suppose it depends on like if the browser overrides. Like, if does the browser have like a default visited color? Yeah, the browser. You know I mean? Or does yeah, the Tailwind the, reset that? Yeah. So Tailwind will reset it, I think, but the browser will definitely have like a default blue and a def- for for links and a default sort of purple for visited links. And in most yeah. applications that I've seen in the last you know X number of years, it's it's typical that you would set like a. Uh, square bracket visited, a square bracketed, active and a and whatever else there. Like they just set them yeah. all the same. You just set them all the same, yeah. and then visited usually set differently. Um, but then you've got a hover state, which is usually the only thing that I would change. So right, right. But yeah, so that those variants are there now, and we've also added increased specificity when using important. So previously, Tailwind offered an important option in the config file that would add a exclamation mark important to all generated utilities which could cause some issues with third-party libraries that add inline styles. So now the important option has much more flexibility. Instead of passing true to just enable the option or, or disable it, you can pass a CSS selector, something like, um, you know, pound sign app, and the generated classes will be scoped to that selector instead of having the ampersand, uh, instead of having the important flag appended. So instead of having uh, like dot blocked and having that as display block, uh, exclamation mark important you would now have a pound sign app dot block scoped selector and that way the block rather than applying it to the every single instance it would apply specifically to that scope um so where where i've used tailwind at work and we've wanted to basically blow away bootstrap we've just gone with a with a hammer and uh Going, yep, we're just going to mark everything is not important. And anytime we use Tailwind styles, we definitely want to override whatever Bootstrap um, provides yep. us, which actually caused us some problems. So <laughs> it would be better to to scope this in this way, I think, um, having lived the the problems firsthand. Well, plus, like what they're saying to you, too, is like if you ever do those inline styles, which I do sometimes, I mean, not yeah. often, but if you're using this important option, pretty much this overrides those sometimes yeah right yeah and so by instead of so instead of using the important you can still say hey tailwind make yourself important but it just increases the specificity by adding the id now if you're using ids in your css selectors you've got whole other problems that you're going to end up with (laughs) right because id is like it is it is the hammer right so like if you if you like have a css selector that has an id and it it automatically kind of jumps to the top of the list and destroys everything else so Anyway, so yeah, in in addition to the what we've talked about, there is a 
a few more that have been added. There's a few bug bug fixes that weren't mentioned, but definitely take a look at the release notes, which we will, of course, include in the show notes and read over the repo to see all the details about the release, including some more code examples. Yes, sir. Okay, let's see here. What else we got? I'm looking here. You sent me this big, crazy list, and I'm trying to find a way through it. There <laughs> it is. Build modern single-page apps with Inertia.js. <clears throat> okay, so we talked about this a little bit on our other show. We're going to talk about it again here. So Jonathan Rennick, who is a speaker at Laracon Online two years ago and then made his first onstage appearance at Laracon 2019 this year in New York City. Amazing teacher, great all-around guy, has been working on this for a while, and it's incredible. It's really, really incredible. So Inertia.js essentially is a way for you to use Laravel for your backend routing and data providing right? He calls Eloquent the original GraphQL. That's mm-hmm. what he calls it, the mm-hmm. OG GraphQL, right? So like no more having to use Vuex or having to use View Router. You do all that stuff with Laravel. And then basically what it does is it allows you to write all of your front end in view templating, right? Yeah. So all of your view templates are now what you use for the front end. No more blade at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. All the blade stuff is just taken care of for you. You in the setup, you basically have like one layout file that you create that has some inertia hooks in there. And then what this will do is this will essentially bootstrap your application with a TurboLinks style SPA mm-hmm. and then handle all of the difficult things that you end up having when you're trying to mix these two worlds. So form validation, handled. Redirects, handled. 404s, 500s handled like he's gone through all of the different things that make this a very difficult thing to do or maybe not super difficult but like all the pain points and made them super super simple yeah i've been really impressed looking through the docs and i cannot wait to use this i'm super excited about it so a couple of things that you get right is like really snappy responses it's all it feels just like an spa for anybody who's using it they would never know a difference but you get all the tools of using the laravel backend so if you want to go query your database and massage some data to look this particular certain way and you have these complex things that you want to do, no more do you have to like create this very general purpose API endpoint that your front end has to manipulate all that data. You can use all the power of PHP, all the backend stuff, create a nice little crafted response object that has your data, pass those in as props to your view page, and it just works. It's incredible. It is incredible. So... You can view the source code at uh, github.com slash inertia.js slash inertia. It has other repositories in there as, in there as well that you can check out uh, for working with React or Vue. Or there's this other one, which I was just looking at the other day, actually. It's like S-V-E-L-T-E. I don't even know how you say Svelte. 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 Yeah. Svelte. So he has these adapters that you can use to work with any of these different uh, front ends. Yeah. Yeah, and I so, think he has other backend things planned as well. I yeah, think. I think initially it's more of a like this is for Laravel and it's all you know there's framework adapters for it. I I guess there's no reason why, I mean other than the maintenance overhead, but there's no reason why Inertia itself couldn't be used with something like Rails or with Symphony or whatever else, as long as it's all wired up to give the the prop the appropriate responses. And then in terms of front end, like and you you can use. As you say, React's felt Vue.js would be the more common one in in our little circle in the Laravel world. So, yeah, definitely check it out. It's a it's it's a really nice way of going about building your app. It really simplifies the 
you know, the context switching because everything, you know, is always going to be a, a view component. You don't, you don't open up a blade file and go, oh, there's just a single view component. And then you have to go and find the view component. So I like it from that perspective. There's, there's a bit of fiddling around to get it up and running with Laravel, but there is a Laravel front end preset for this. So you can just pull in a package and then basically run PHP Artisan preset Inertia.js and it'll spin it all up for you and get you up and running and, and wire in all of the configuration and, and JavaScript bootstrapping and all that kind of stuff. So we'll link that up in the show notes as well. Yep. So congrats, Jonathan, and all the people who have been working on that with him. Way to go. Looks really, really good. Super excited to use it. And uh, I know a ton, a ton of work has gone into this. Yeah. So super excited and, to and see And for anyone up. curious, Jonathan has said that this is, although it's a 0.1 release, it is production ready. He's been using it for a couple of apps in production already and, and he's pretty happy with where it's at. So don't let the version number fool you. Uh, hopefully it won't stay at 0.1 for, for too long. Absolutely. Okay, we have the next thing is a package called the Laravel Firewall Package. Uh, Michael, you want to talk about this one? The Laravel Firewall Package by Dennis Delici is a package with various different middleware that do things like prevent various types of attacks. The package is intended to protect your Laravel application from different types of attacks such as XXS, XSS, SQL injection, RFI, LFI, user agent, and a lot more. It will also block repeated attacks and send notification via email and or Slack when these attacks are detected. And further to that, it will log failed logins and blocked IP after a number of attempts. Um, so it's it's a middleware-based thing. You just tack it onto your route definitions and uh, pretty much nothing more needed from that perspective. Uh, the documentation isn't... Firewall and forget. Yeah, firewall and forget. The, you like that one? The document- I just came up with that. <laughs> This is this is your contribution. Firewall forget little little taglines. Yep, firewall forget. There we go. The documentation isn't quite finished just yet, so definitely check out the code itself to see how each of the the middlewares works before you use it. And you can learn which configuration options are available, how the middleware might trigger an alert event, and how you might configure it. Um, but some of the middleware itself is a work in progress, so there might be opportunity to contribute back to the framework uh, or to the project as well. Uh, obviously, the link to this will be in the show notes, but you can check out more and get full installation instructions from GitHub at a counting a k a u n t i n g forward slash firewall. Perfect. And for those of you who did not catch this yet, we are now into the packages section of the show. So we talked about Laravel news updates, and then we are down into the packages. So the next package that we have is the feature flags. For Laravel. So this is by Peter Fox. Thank God. An easy name. <laughs> Peter Fox. I mean, it does not get any easier than that, right? <laughs> oh, Peter Fox. Thank you. Thank you for having an American name that I can pronounce. <laughs> I, God bless you. God bless you. God bless America. Uh, hey, America. <clears throat> okay. So the feature flags package for Laravel uh, helps you handle feature toggles or feature flags in your Laravel application. So would be helpful to explain maybe what a feature flag is. So a feature flag is like if you have a particular feature that you would like to release to a subset of users, but not everyone, right? And so you can toggle on or off this particular feature for particular users or subsections of your users, et cetera, et cetera, right? So anyway, the package aims to make implementing these types of flags across your application easier by providing solutions that work not only with your code, but with your routes, your blade files, your task scheduling, and your validations, which is actually pretty interesting. I mean, that totally makes sense because there will be a lot of times where you'd have like a form or something like that, right? And if you're implementing a new feature, it's possible that you'll have an additional 
input or something and your mm-hmm. validation is going to have to change, yeah. right? So like instead of writing an entirely new endpoint or entirely new controller, you just feature flag that thing. So yeah. in the blade file, you would just say feature flag only show this if that feature flag is checked. In the controller, in the validation, you say feature flag only validate this if the feature flag is checked, right? Yeah. So pretty cool. Yeah, so blade views, routing middleware, validation rules, task scheduling, artisan commands, and custom PHP logic. Yeah. Uh, so there is a couple things in here that uh, the code will tell you exactly how to do that. I'm not going to read through it. So this is a package slash tutorial here that Paul Redmond, everyone's favorite human, we haven't said that in a while, has provided for us. Thank you, Paul, for uh, bringing this one to the front of our attention. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Feature feature flags and, and feature toggles, I guess, are a really nice way of, as you say, bringing new functionality into your application and just sort of like having it there dormant. Um, rather than having like, we're going to release this feature on this date in the future and then you're rushing to, to do all your database migrations and get the, the code deployed and make sure you don't interrupt your users and things like that. So you can you can deploy it ahead of time and then you just have like an environment variable or a, or a config parameter that you just switch when you're ready to turn it on and boom, it's there ready to go. It also makes yeah, like awesome. production testing a lot easier because you can flag it with a feature and then you can also add a toggle where it's like, feature enabled or admin user or something like that. So you can go in into your production environment and actually start using that to make sure that it behaves. Itself. I like this. You can release it to, you know, a group of users and things like that. So definitely a nice way Ooh, of going about like things. We've, I mean, we've done it in a couple of places at work where we've like, I, I built a feature like six months ago that was only now just getting ready to be released. And it's just been sitting there switched off, waiting, lurking like a, Crouching tiger, hidden dragon kind of thing, just ready to pounce. So, well, like Gmail does this stuff all the time, right? Where they say, like, hey, new version is releasing September. If you want it now, you can check it out here. Yeah. Right. So you click that and it like basically enables a feature flag for your user. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you can kind of like give early access to people who are interested or say, you're going to be cut over on this date anyway. So this is your chance to get used to it, but this is going to give us a chance to get feedback from early adopters. Right. So that's cool. I like that. I've never really used feature flags before. I've known what they are, but I've never used them. Yeah. And having a package that you can just install and and get up and running is really nice as well. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I saw this on Twitter the other day as well. Tailwind.run. So this is an online code editor for Tailwind CSS. So you'd say, what can you just use something like CodePen, right? We just import Tailwind CSS. No big deal. Use Tailwind to style your stuff inside the code editor and you're all set to go correct. The only problem with that is that you cannot specify a custom config, which a lot of times you will have in your own build, right? Yeah. So Tailwind Run uh, is created by, it's an online service created by Utkarsh Kukreti. Did I do good? Yeah. Did I do it? You did, you did fine. So providing a fiddle or pen style features for Tailwind CSS in the browser and even allows build time configuration features interactively. So you can skip the setup of getting Tailwind started. You basically just go in there and say, hey, new Tailwind, and, or, or, you know, new pen, basically, Tailwind will be all set up for you. They can compile custom Tailwind CSS config and CSS in the browser. It will live preview in five sizes. So, like, what's the name of that one? Sizzy? Yep, Sizzy. Is that what it is? That browser? Yeah, like, Adam was using that at his talk. Basically, it will preview in five screen sizes for you all at the same time. It will auto-complete names for your CSS classes, which is really handy, right? So, a lot of times, you don't want to pull up 
like if you don't already have it set up in a project, like if you have it set up in a project, chances are that your CSS auto name, you know, completion is going to work. But yeah. like if you just want to screw around with something, you're going to pop open Sublime or whatever. It's it's really handy to have this stuff. Uh, you can save your code online or you can export it to a zip file. It's got Vim, Emacs, Sublime, key bindings, and Emmet. Have you used Emmet before? I use Emmet all the time. All the time. It's the, the only time. way if to you live. Don't use you, Emmet, don't need, you should. You don't need snippets in your HTML. You just need Emmet. That's yeah. I still use some. Well, not in HTML. No, that's correct. I don't use any snippets in HTML. And then you can also log in and save or fork your experiments. So it feels very much like CodePen to me. Yeah. But of course, it's got all these custom things that are built for Tailwind, which are pretty amazing. Yeah. It also includes tabs for the resolved or resulting configuration, the compiled CSS. Uh, on the preview side, you can also toggle between the different screen sizes. So it's you know really quick to kind of see which which ones are breaking and which ones are not and mm-hmm. kind of be able to really focus in like, hey, if I'm in the landscape medium size, it's not working. I need to focus in on this one, right? So you, just if you want to get started, try it out. Go to tailwind.run, sign in with your GitHub account, and uh, that'll allow you to share and save your work. Super awesome. Yeah. Way to go, Utkarsh Kukredi. Thank you. Good work. That's been needed for a while. I know Adam was like dying for this. Adam, and now that it's out, he's like, yeah. oh, this is amazing. Adam was real excited by it. <laughs> yes. Yes, he was. I'm very excited about it because like I've I've needed something like this where I can just kind of play around with something without having to be in my project. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's really handy. A lot of times what I'll what I can do now is I can just kind of hand this off. I can say like, hey, other developer, this is kind of the style I'm looking for. You implement all the logic, but this is kind of like the piece, right? Go take this. Because otherwise you don't, it's hard when you when you create a design, right? I, I design it in sketch a lot of times, right? And I'll say like, hey, this is kind of like what I want it to look like. And you hand it off and it gets about 90%, 90% of the way there. Mm-hmm. But as the person who designed it, there are little things that you'll know about that the person who's implementing it do, do, does not know, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, that one line right there, there's a missing space there. That's actually supposed to be like, the, oh, that's, that was really, that one's a rounded corner there. Oh, there was actually some, some letter spacing in that one that you couldn't know unless you had the sketch file yourself, right? Those sorts of things. And with this, I could just pop in there, type that up real quick, kind of flesh that out, and then leave it up to them to implement the logic. Man. It's going to save me some time. Loving it. Awesome. Uh, the The last package that we've got here is from Chris Morrill. It's the Air Form Builder package for Laravel uh, and brings uh, in packaged up form uh, features like data binding and an expressive syntax. So if you've been around Laravel for a while, you might remember that there used to be HTML Laravel Collective. and yeah, and and form helpers native or you know built into the the framework, which were later split out into the HTML collective and kind of, I don't, I mean, I don't, don't really hear much about it anymore. I know that it's probably still lots and lots of people using them, but it gives you a nice expressive syntax to create input fields, to create email fields, submit buttons, things like that. And it gives you a data binding feature that typically comes with form builder libraries, which makes it easy to map a model onto the form inputs. And the data binding will also take care of populating form inputs with the old um, helper method that's available in Laravel when it, when it, whenever there's any validation errors. So the air package includes eloquent model binding along with the ability to bind a custom array or object data. If, if that's not enough for you, then the package will also automatically pick up any errors and apply error classes and show error messages with your associated input. And you've got access to methods provide a summary of the error messages. So you can you know put a little alert in saying, here is the summary of errors. But yeah, the head over to the documentation and the demos, which we'll link up into the show notes. And thanks to Chris for putting that together. 
Okay, we've got this. Um, I don't know if you could call this a package. I think it's just kind of a FYI. So Paul wrote this up. Reveal the current file and popular code editors. So I've wanted this, and I think Paul used to use PHP Storm. I don't know if he still does, but I'm interested in seeing. No, he does not use PHP Storm. No, he's back to back to Sublime Text. Well, you know what? I've got bad news for you. I've got bad news for you. This one right here. This is PHP Storm. I'm looking at it. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think it is actually. Don't be that guy. No, it's not. That first screenshot is um, definitely sublime text. <laughs> it is sublime. You're right. Okay. So have you ever been editing a file? You do your fuzzy search and you go to web.php, right? For your routes. Or is it web. Yeah, it's web.php. Yeah, that's right. And it would be really handy. Or maybe let's let's give a different one. Let's say you're in your controllers, right? Mm-hmm. And it would be really nice if you could just kind of see the other controllers that are really close right next to it, right? Yeah. So you do that fuzzy search, you go to that thing, and then you want to see that in the sidebar. Uh, well, sometimes that can be a little bit difficult, uh, and a lot of times that's solved with a plugin, right? Yeah. So going to the file in the sidebar helps you to visualize kind of like the namespaces that are involved, the overall sort of structure of your classes and the files. So that's why it's, that's why it's handy, right? So Paul uses various editors, as he admits here. He uses Sublime, he uses PHP Storm, he uses all these different ones. And it looks like he has either keyboard shortcuts or possible plugins to allow you to do this. Yeah. So in PHP Storm, Control-Shift-R will get you to there. Uh, Sublime, I think it works there as well. VS Code, you can set it up there to do the same thing. Um, he talks about just different editors, right? So he's got basically stuff for VS Code, for Sublime, for PHP Storm. I think that's all of them. What about TextPad? Does he not use TextPad? Does anyone Adam. use he's got another one for Adam? Textpad, yes, yes. No, I'm just kidding. Adam, he's got one for Adam. Adam setup too. Okay, so there you go. So if you've ever wanted to know how to reveal the current file in your in your code editor, check this out. We'll throw in the show notes. You can learn. You can find that out. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mr. Paul Redmond. Beautiful. The last thing that we have here is a a course that's that's out now. I think from mm-hmm. JMac Jason McQuarrie. It's going to help you to learn, start testing your existing code base with confident Laravel. So where Adam Wathen released his test-driven Laravel course a few years ago now, that was about starting a greenfield project. But a lot of people have got existing applications that they may have started, you know, when they were just getting into Laravel and they were rapidly prototyping or they've inherited an application that has no test. And you kind of look at these things that are working in production and like they work because people are using them, but there's no test. And you... You know, any anyone that's been a, a developer for a while starts to get a bit nervous, I think, when, you know, you've got no guarantee that your application is going to work when you make changes because you've got no tests. So as I said, JMac, the creator of Laravel Shift, announced uh, the release of his course, Confident Laravel, from no test to confidently testing. Being that he's been a developer for, you know, 20 years now, and that he has a lot of insight into Laravel projects more broadly through Laravel Shift. Um, he's got a unique insight into that test coverage or like thereof in many Laravel projects. From, from those shifts, he was able to garner that of 15,000 Laravel applications that have been upgraded, only 17% have got any tests. So the course is designed to help you get started with testing in your existing code bases that might not have tests and teaches you where and how to get started. And Jason has also released a test generator shift, which generates test cases for all of your control actions, as well as creating factories for all of your models. That's really freaking handy. So, you know, 
it's a lot of work to test your application, but this is going to stub out all of those tests for all of your controller endpoints and all of that kind of stuff for you if you wanted to go down that path. But the course itself consists of four lessons containing 24 videos, um, 32 videos if you buy the master package. And it goes from starting testing through testing your application code, testing integrations with, I assume, third-party providers, and then testing any additional classes. So at the time of this recording, the course includes the video course, which is 24 videos. You've got a testing tips reference, bonus videos included in the master package. And if you have the master package as well, there is a, a weekly, I think, or a fortnightly group Q&A calls where you can submit questions and, and have them answered by JMac on a, on a live you know, video thing. So there are two options available. The starter bundle, normally 129 is on sale at the moment for $89. And the master bundle, normally 229 on sale for 149 He's also mentioned on Twitter that he's working on parity purchase power. The you know, so if you're in a country where the dollar doesn't quite go as far as what it does in in the US or Canada or the UK, reach out to him and and see what what he can arrange for you. Um, but you can learn more about the course and purchase from confidentlaravel.com. Yeah, I think this is really interesting because I feel like almost all of the video courses or all the video tutorials really start with either very low level, sort of like let's learn how to do a test. Mm-hmm. Like you've never done a test before. Let's learn how to make a test. Or, hey, let's start a brand new application and learn how to actually do tests, real tests, but you're starting from scratch. So this really feel fills a niche where it's like, okay, I'm not going to take the time to learn how to do like a test. That's throwaway. I'm not starting on a greenfield project. So that doesn't really offer me as much value. Vast majority of these people, right, as, as he's kind of, investigating and finding out like 80 what 83 percent of the people who are shifting don't have any tests at all so yeah how do you get value so like the next time you're writing a feature how do you get value from tests by being able to say like okay this is already kind of integrated with these different pieces but i'm adding new functionality how do i write a test to test at least this one new thing right and then um and then kind of move forward from there. So yeah, this is this is really, really great. And Jason's a wonderful, he's, he's a really good teacher, yeah. a really great guy, um, gives back a lot to the community, uh, has some free shifts out there. So if this is something you're interested in, it's something you're struggling with, how do you figure out these tests? Definitely support Jason, throw some cash his way and get a really good value for it. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. Okay. Hey, I think that wraps things up for us. Yep. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, you can find show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 89. Any questions or comments, hit us up on Twitter. Jacob Bennett, Michael Dranda, Laravel News, all three of those places. We'd love to hear from you. And if you like the show, rate us up, share us with your friends. We always uh, love it when we hear that you enjoy the show. And the best way that you can thank us is to share it with other people who can also find value in it. Hey, you know what? If, if anybody's interested in sponsoring, reach out to us too. We'd love to be able to sponsor you on the show. And um, it's always fun to have sponsors on here too. Yeah. So there you go. That's our pitch. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. See you in a couple weeks. See you. Bye.